hey, Build Your Tribe listeners, I love you. I really do. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for these reviews. They're blowing my mind. You guys are awesome. You stepped up to the plate. I really appreciate that. I'm still reading these. Speaking of which. Today's five-star review titled Life Changing by McKenna. I am so, so grateful for Shaleen and Brock for all the free information they give out. There is never a boring episode. They are the perfect link that allows you to learn without feeling overloaded. This podcast is one of the reasons why I invested at MIA, and it was so worth it. Thank you so much. Hey there, welcome to Build Your Tribe. My name is Shaleen Johnson. And my name is Brock Johnson. With more than 25 years of experience in a variety of businesses, I promise to share with you the ins, the outs, my failures, and successes. And my goal is to share with you these social media money-making strategies to turn your idea into passive income. Every week, my son, Brock, and I will share with you perspectives that will serve you regardless of the stage that you're at in your business. Whether you're a solo entrepreneur looking to grow your brand in social media or you've got dreams for a global brand, Build Your Tribe is here to serve you. All right, Mom, this one's all you. Today, you get both of us. Today, we're both going to share how it is we prepare for a short presentation on social media, like a live video, if you will, presentation, whatever you want to call it, going live. And then we'll also share how it is we prepare if we're giving something more formal, like a speech on stage or a keynote, or even if you're invited to do, say, a webinar or a live training, which essentially is a speech, but online. I'll start first with how I prepare if I'm going to be teaching something on a live story. I begin by using my outline. So unless I'm just going live to chat, which I do sometimes, but if I'm going live to teach or to share something specific to give people instructions to help them overcome something to solve a problem, then I I use the outline and I always do. I never go live with the intention of teaching without the outline. If you missed that episode, it's the one just prior to this one where I covered exactly what that outline looks like. And you're going to need that in order for this one to make sense. So I start with my outline and I just fill in the blanks. So I start with like, okay, so what is my opening line going to be? And I'll tell you what it's not going to be when you go live. It shouldn't be like, All right, so just going to wait till a few more people pop on here. All right. uh, All right, so just waiting for people to pop on. Like you do not want to do that because the majority of your folks are going to be watching it after the fact anyways. You've got just a few seconds to grab their attention. And really all you do when you're saying that you're waiting for people to show up is wasted people's time. So don't do that. Jump right into your content, even if you have to repeat it later. Or jump right into, I should say, your opening line where you're connecting with people. That's a great way to warm up the audience, to break the ice, to get people to laugh, to get people to let their guard down, and to have, hopefully, people will be able to relate to you. And it's also, this is where we're just going to go right through our outline. Now, the way that I prepare for this, I don't need to go through the outline again, but the way I prepare for this is I look at my outline and I just fill in the blanks. I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to talk about that, and then this, and then this. And I just write single words down or maybe even a couple of words, incomplete sentences, if you will, for each point that I'm going to make. I'll do that first. That's my outline. Then, this is the second part, I go back through and I do what I call story matching. And that means for every single point that I'm going to make, I try to find a personal story or a relevant example that exemplifies the point I'm trying to make. In other words, I'll make the point, say, for example, 
it's really important that when you give a speech, you make a point and then you tell a story about whatever it is that makes the point of why you need to do that. And then you reiterate the point. Now, this technique is something I learned from Brian Tracy, and it's something he calls, and I don't know if he coined this phrase, but I learned it from him. He calls it the windshield wiper technique, where it's like, so imagine a windshield wiper on one side, that's your point, and then it wipes to the right, and that's your story, and then it wipes back to the left, and that's like a windshield wiper. Like, think of it going left, right, left, like a windshield wiper. And that really helps people. Sometimes you have to like point out the fact that your story made a point. It's the takeaway. So I will use that technique. And I go back through my outline. And what I'll do is I'll just write down one word. And that one word triggers the story for me. So like, let's say I want to tell the story about how I started my career and what I did to put myself through college. So I might just write down the word auto swap meet. And that reminds me of that story. Therefore, if I was preparing a speech on how to prepare for a speech, I might use the image or write down the word windshield wiper. And that's my trigger. It reminds me of that point. Okay. So I go through that for each and every point on my outline. I come up with an image or a story, I should say mainly a story that relates to the point that I'm trying to make. And then the only other thing that I write down, and sometimes almost in a complete sentence, I'll write down my final remark or my final CTA. So that might be a call to action like, you know, go to my website and you can get this free report or don't forget to download XYZ or leave me a comment below telling me exactly what you're going to do next week. Like I always write down my call to action because your brain goes dead. It goes to mush by the time you're at the end of a presentation. And sometimes I'll even write down my closing remarks if I want to be something that's very meaningful or something that gets people to feel an emotion and take action. What I do not memorize before I go live online, I don't write out word for word what I'm going to say. I don't memorize what I'm going to say. I do prepare it. I put these bullet points and a little trigger word that reminds me of the story. I put them on a note card. I use an index card usually, or sometimes I'll write it in my push journal on like one of the blank pages. And then I just prop it up near where my phone is in a phone case. And then I can just glance at it if I need to. I never like grab my notes. I mean, I I guess you could if you're on a live because they're less formal, but typically I don't. Typically it's pretty extemporaneous. And that's how I will prepare before I'm going to go live and teach. How I do this from the stage is very similar, but there's more preparation involved. I personally believe that if you are speaking from the stage or even you know, live on video to a group, like a virtual conference or a virtual keynote, I personally believe it is incredibly unprofessional and distracting, really, to be looking at your notes, A. And B, I also find it incredibly distracting and kind of an amateur move to be heavily reliant on your slides. Like, if I feel like you're reading from the slides or the slides are telling you what to do next, it's kind of obvious, even though that's what's happening, right? When we talk about slides. But if it's obvious and it really feels like, well, wait, are are you just reading this to us? That's just an amateur move. Like you want your audience to be lost and engrossed in what it is you're saying. Like they're feeling it. They believe it. You don't want them thinking like, oh, she doesn't remember what she's saying next or Why is she reading from these slides? And sometimes your audience can read faster than you and then they're ahead of you. So my personal belief is that you better be so prepared that when you are on a stage, you don't need your notes. And if your PowerPoint were to die or it just, which happens a lot, (laughs) 
you can wing it without it. And here's how I do that. So same process in general to start with. I go to my outline and I look at each one of my points and then I story match. I story match a story or an experience, something that exemplifies the point that I'm trying to make. And then I come up with a trigger word. A trigger word reminds me what that story is and I'm going to relate to that bullet point. Then I create slides. And the slides are usually something that matches or reminds the audience of the takeaway from that point. So I think a lot of speakers, they put a lot of information and things you need to read on slides. And, you know, like stats and statistics are fine on slides if it enhances your presentation. Otherwise, that is something that you can look at a card. You can say, I want to read for you a statistic. That's how you would use a note card and it would be appropriate. You literally call it out and say, okay, let me read something to you about the study. And you can grab it. You don't have to memorize those kinds of things. You can if you want. Don't feel like you have to. And that is a point at which it's appropriate to use a note card or to refer to your notes. But all too often, I think people rely too heavily on their slides. I think your slides should 100% enhance your audience's ability to recall your presentation. A lot of times you'll ask someone, so what did they talk about? And we can't often recall what it was the speaker said from the stage, but we can remember the images and we can remember the stories. So if you can have an image that triggers the story, people will remember the story. And that's the key. So remember, they're not going to remember your little takeaways. They're not even going to remember the point, but they're going to remember the story. So try to use images that match the story. There's that story matching concept. So that's what I'll do is I'll go and look for those images. And those images are pretty important to me. Like they need to trigger me as well. There are great people you can hire on Upwork.com to create top-notch, beautifully designed presentations for you, keynotes or PowerPoints. But I do think it's really important that you kind of say, like, I want an image like this. Let them find a stock image. Let them design the whole thing for you. But I do think that that image, it's important that it triggers something for you and an emotion. And remember that the more we can tap into people's emotions when we're teaching, the more likely we're going to be, we're going to be successful in having people remember what it was we talked about. So I do those images. All right. And then again, I will write down. And the only part of my speech that I try to memorize is my final phrase, my call to action. And the last thing I want to say to people, which oftentimes is like a quote or something very profound that kind of sums it all up. And it often needs to relate to my overall mission. So even if I'm talking to people about giving a speech, in the end, my final statement needs to kind of like summarize everything that I've talked about, also make them feel really good and help them to feel like, okay, I can do this. I can take action. And I understand why, like it should tap into their why. And for me, I usually do that by tapping into my own why. And that's the only piece that I will literally try to memorize word for word. However, you do have to memorize the flow and the order of things when you're going to go live on stage and do a keynote or a speech. You need to know that order and to know it so well that if your slides go away or you have no notes that you can use, you know where you're going. And here's how I do that. All right, you ready for this? So once I have my outline, I have my story matching, I have images that I'm thinking of, then this is what I do. I will write it out as if it were like a speech. 
you know, and I just, I just, I literally type it out word for word, even though I know I'm not going to use it word for word. But it does help me to be more selective about what stories I want to use and what words are extra. And it helps me to refine and clarify and create less fluff in a keynote speech. Sometimes when you're live or even on a podcast, there's just words and sentences and concepts that you don't need. When you're on a stage, every sentence matters and it comes at a cost. Every sentence is so valued that you don't want extra, unnecessary, not useful content in there. Just things that people don't need. It's not helpful to them. It doesn't enhance the story. It just, it's not useful other than, you know, the people who tell stories and they're way too long and they're giving you way too much information. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Get me to the point. I'm daydreaming. And anytime you lose your audience and they're daydreaming, you've just lost them. So I will write it all out. And then I read it into my phone using the voice memo app, which is a lot of times how I will even record podcasts. So I'll just open up my phone and I record myself literally reading what I've written. And I read it like, you know, without any inflection or anything, I'll be like, okay, and there is this one part of the story where it did it. like, I literally would just like read it like a robot. And then I play it back to hear the parts. I'm like, oh, that's not useful. Oh, don't need to talk about that. Oh, that went on too long. And then I go through the process again, and I will rewrite it again. And then I will re-record it. I only usually need to do that twice. And it doesn't take that long. I know it sounds like a long time, but trust me, this is going to save you a lot of time in the long run. Here's the other reason why. Because most event planners are going to give you a specific amount of time to speak. (laughs) And let me just tell you, speaking from personal experience, if you don't have this nailed down and you tend to be a little more long-winded, we're not going to name names, hashtag mine, it's really easy to look up at the little timer clock in front of you and realize you've got about 10 minutes left of content and the clock is flashing two minutes. And you need to know what to do and what to cut out. And that doesn't happen if you are well rehearsed and your timing is rehearsed. And so that's why I personally have to do it this way. Otherwise, I'll always go over. And I learned that the hard way the first time I spoke on the stage with Brian Tracy. So sorry to interrupt this podcast, but we have some exciting news. I'm talking about the ultimate hookup from Shalene. If you've ever wanted to attend one of our live events, How about Marketing Impact Academy Live? But you haven't been able to become a student yet? Well, guess what? You can still attend, but it's limited. So you need to act fast. Go to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash MIA Live Sale. Marketing Impact Academy Live is a how to make money online event hosted by Shalene and Brett. Every minute, of this three-day event has been designed to help you find creative, simplified ways to make money online. So if you have a business or thinking about having a business, this event is for you and it's so much fun. So go to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash MIA live sale. Don't worry, that link is below in the show notes. Hope to see you there. All right, back to the show. I had 45 minutes, I think it was, to speak at this event. The first time I was actually doing my own presentation. I'd spoke on his stage as a testimonial for him, telling people about my experience with him. But this is the first time he invited me to do my own section at one of his business 
events. And I was on the stage and I knew this was a huge opportunity. And I see him standing out there in the back of the room with his lovely wife. And, you know, I have like dad feelings for him. You know what I mean? Like, I just, oh gosh, I want to impress him. Like all he would have to do is shake his head and purse his lips together. And I would feel devastated to think that I had disappointed this man. That's how I feel about him. And so I'm on the stage. I know this is a big opportunity and I don't want to let him down. I know I've got 45 minutes. And my thought was, I just, I want to crush right now. I want to give these people so much great, valuable information. Brian Tracy is just going to be smiling from ear to ear and applauding me in the background. Like I'm one of those people when I visualize what is going to happen, I don't see doom and gloom. (laughs) I see myself on the awards podium like getting the gold medal around my neck. Like I see good things sometimes to a fault. So in my mind, I picture this like amazing moment where he's just beaming in the background and applauding and nodding yes. And well, that's not how it went. I think I had 45 minutes and at about the 45 minute mark, I looked down at the clock and realized I was out of time and I had probably another 15 minutes worth of content to deliver. And in my mind, I thought, well, that's what I need to do. I need to just deliver them content. And so I just keep going and going. And I see Brian Tracy with his arms crossed, and I see his head lower in the back. And I'm trying not to look at him because that's just a little bit distracting. And I don't know why his body language has changed. I'm not even thinking about the time on my clock. And I see his arms cross, and I see his posture get very erect, and I just see, in my mind, an angry principal. You know what I mean? But it was literally the first time I'd ever spoke at a business event, let alone in front of my mentor. And I finished and I thought, I killed it. And I couldn't wait to go over and just see what he thought. I was a little nervous about that. So I walk over to him and he's standing there with like kind of a forced grin on his face. Like, you know, I I know he wants to say something nice, but I also know now that he, he had to lead with the most important thing he had to tell me in that moment. And he just laid it out. He said, with a smile, young lady, nice job. But if you're given 45 minutes, you need to end in 45 minutes, which means you need to be better prepared. And you will never be asked to speak at one of my events again if you go over on your time, because the time is very important. And I was like, gulp. Like he might as well have (sighs) told me, you are the biggest disappointment as a daughter. (laughs) Like literally, that's what it felt like for a moment. But it was such a valuable thing for him to tell me. And there's only been one other time that I went over and it was last weekend. And here's what happened. I looked down the clock and I realized I had five minutes left. And I looked at the event planner and said, all right, guys. And I just, I handled it real cool. If I do say so myself, I said, all right, guys. We've got five minutes left. Should we wrap it up in five minutes? I think we need to wrap it up in five minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just confirm. And I looked over behind the curtains where I didn't have to put someone on the spot. And the event planner gave me the two hands up that I had 10 minutes left. And that was like, beautiful. But I could have ended it in those five minutes if I needed to because I was well rehearsed. And that's the key is your timing has to be well rehearsed. So once I know exactly what I'm going to say, then I record myself on that voice memo so that it's exactly the amount of time. And in order to really get that timing right, I mean, that in and of itself is a practice. I've learned that when I record myself 
kind of like going through my script. I have to put in pauses because there are things that are going to happen when you're on stage and you're live or even when you're live on video that you haven't intended for. Like the story that comes to mind right in the middle of things that's really poignant or something that happened just before you started your presentation. For me, that means time to dance and time to have spontaneous moments where I can really connect with the audience. So whatever my timing is when I read it, if it's exactly how much time I'm allotted, then I'm way off. I generally need to be about 10 minutes under what I've been given so that I've got that room for expansion if I need to once I'm on stage. Once I've recorded that, I listen to it on repeat over and over and over again. This part is really important. Once I have it like really refined where I'm going with my presentation, I then practice something, I forget what it's called. It's something like palace memorization or house memorization. I don't even know where I learned this. It might've been from Brian Tracy. I don't remember, but here's what I do. So imagine your house, walk into your main area, like your main living room, if you will. And what you wanna do is think of yourself as like walking into the entrance of that room. And I want you to go from right to left in a circle around your room, even though your room is probably square or oblong, whatever, and look at each area and each piece of furniture. And I want you to place a piece in the exact order of your story. So if, for example, I go on stage and I start my presentation off with a little bit about who I am and context for what it is I'm going to teach them. I don't use any slides for that. That all has to be memorized and it needs to be in the right order so that it makes sense. And I can't leave anything out. I mean, I try not to leave anything out. So it's really important that I I have where I'm going memorized. I don't need to have the words memorized, but I have to memorize where I'm going. So if the very first piece, if I think of like, okay, that first piece is where I'm going to talk about, for example, in the last keynote that I gave, I started off that speech by talking about how I didn't know who I was or what my identity was or what that thing was that I was supposed to focus on. And so in that story, I talk about all the things that I did, like starting an auto swap meet and all the different businesses, like my personal training business and my group fitness business and writing an ebook. And it was kind of like a franchise, but it wasn't technically a franchise personal training, I taught other personal trainers and they worked underneath me. Then the seminars I was doing for women in hotels. And I think about all those things, right? And so I imagine all of those things and I picture one image that represents all of those things. And for me, it is a picture that I have of the first automobile swap meet that I held because it's a really messy picture. So that picture to me kind of encapsulates that whole story. And I imagine that picture on that first piece of furniture. And then I go to the next area of my living room and the very next piece of furniture or area. For me, it's an area and it's this kind of like flat area of my living room where I will put down a yoga mat and do yoga or Pilates or Payo, if you will. And I imagine a yoga mat right there in that area. And that reminds me that after I tell the story about like all the things that I was doing, that the next place I'm going to go in my story is about how I had to decide on one thing and focus on one thing. And so each element of my story that I want to memorize, I picture like things and physical things. And I place that thing in my mind on that piece of furniture in that order so that when I'm delivering my speech, 
I can just visualize my living room. And as I'm going around the room, I know what goes on each piece of furniture and in what order. And that helps me create an association for the story. Then I'll never forget it. I'll never deliver things in the wrong order. Because we've all done this where you go to tell a story and then you're like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Actually, before that was, oh, wait, I got to back up. I got to back up. And if you do that when you're in the middle of a keynote, you really confuse people. So you, you need to make sure that the delivery of the content, like the order is memorized. And if you practice this, I forget what it's called. I think it's called palace building or palace memorization. But I don't think of my home as a palace, but I think of it as a home. So I don't know. We'll have to come up with our own name for it. But I just, it's my furniture. It's like my living room. It's like, that's how I memorize a space. And then when I think of myself on a stage, I picture that living room on that stage. And I will sometimes even, to keep the variety that's on the stage, I'll walk to different areas of the stage and I imagine that part of the story because I can think about what piece of furniture in my mind I've placed at that part of the stage. I don't know if this is making any sense, but it really works. I am telling you, it works because you know your living room and you know each piece of furniture and you're going to be able to picture those things, that special thing that you're placing on that piece of furniture that reminds you about that part of the story. And that's what I do. And I, so I rehearse it over and over again. I listen to it in my car. I imagine myself and I imagine each piece of the story. I, I, I'm picturing that piece of furniture in the living room when I'm going through it. I listen to it on headphones in my car or like when I'm getting ready. Now, the morning of my presentation, like if I'm going to be doing a keynote, for me, then I've already got it memorized. Now I just need to get in the right frame of mind. I need to be really confident. And I think it'll be interesting to hear how Brock does this. For me, I bet he does a lot of the same things I do. I listen to comedy. I listen to comedians. I listen to funny podcasts. And I just quickly review my bullet points. And, you know, I'm kind of going over my head, but more so I'm worrying less about the content because I'm already prepared by then. And more, I'm trying to get relaxed. Like I'm trying to think of funny thoughts and I'm, I'm trying to get myself into a state of mind where I know I get to serve the audience and I tell myself they love me, that they love every quirky, weird thing about me and I need to step out there and be 1,000% who I am. And yes, of course, there's going to be some people in the audience who cannot stand me and I won't even think about them because I'll be super focused on the people who are like, I was looking for someone just like you. Which is another thing I want to point out is that when I'm going to be doing a presentation, a keynote, a speech, etc. I really do try to meet some of the people who are going to be in the audience. I try to get there early, listen to other speakers. I try to understand the audience. It's about talking to the event planner, asking what their objectives are, hearing what the speakers are before you and after you. What is the theme of the conference or the event that you're speaking at? You know, really work with the person who's hired you to find out what is their objective for the audience so that you can deliver on that. You know, what are people struggling with? Meet some people, have someone that you really connect with so that when you are on stage, you're taking care of just that one person instead of trying to please the entire audience. And that'll really help you to relax. It'll help you to be more yourself. And then just remember, it's never going to go perfect. You're going to forget big chunks and it ain't no big deal because nobody's going to know. So don't freak out. They're going to love you and you'll get better every single time. Oh my gosh, I would be so embarrassed right now to hear some of my early speeches because I've really refined this process. I bet they were all over the place. I bet they made no sense. I bet I over-relied on my slides. I bet it was 
so confusing. I bet I was horrible, but I ain't going to go back and look. I'm just going to work on getting better and better and better. And you can do this too. I know you can. They say that people fear public speaking. The majority of people fear public speaking more than they do death, which means the next time you're at a funeral, most of the people there would rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy. How crazy is that? That's silly. You know why? Because don't you love speakers? Don't you love a great speaker? Don't you love someone who's just super comfortable and able to be themselves? The most important thing I can tell you is don't try to be anyone other than you. Be so well prepared that you don't have to think about what you're saying. You can just be you and you'll kill it. As you know, my goal is to be brief, to be bright, to make it fun and then be done. But I also promise you we'd be hearing from Brock. So I think the best thing for us to do is to make you wait until next Tuesday where you'll get to hear Brock's rendition of how he prepares for both Keynote and also his live videos. So stay tuned for that. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. I wanted to mention a tool that I think you're going to find incredibly useful, especially if you struggle sometimes to know what your purpose is. What is your thing? Like, what are you called to do? Why are you here? What makes you great? What makes you unique? You know what? I think you're too close to yourself to actually even see it. I think if we asked a lot of your friends and family members, they would know. But I want you to know it. I want you to declare it. I want you to see it. So I've developed this really simple questionnaire. You just download it. It's kind of like a quiz, but you're going to know all the answers to this quiz because it's a quiz about you. And when you complete it right there in your own handwriting, it's going to be perfectly clear to you what your thing is. So do me a favor. No, do you a favor and download this questionnaire. You can get it for free by going to shaleen.com forward slash my thing. And then answer the questions and I want to hear from you. Send me an Instagram message and let me know, like, what is your thing? I'm really excited to hear. And I know you will be too. It can be life-changing and clarity providing to know what your thing is. The same answers are going to come up over and over again when you fill out this questionnaire. It's going to be so obvious to you. And it's going to give you that boost in confidence that maybe you've been missing. All right, again, shaleen.com forward slash my thing. And I am really excited for you to do this.